The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the Radiate Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Clemens Hoffman. Each week we will discuss tools, tips, and ways to radiate your best life ever, interviewing practitioners, authors, and luminaries to help you on your path. Wellness, joy, peace, abundance. What do you want to radiate? Hello and welcome back to the Radiate Wellness Podcast. Today we radiate food freedom with Heather Fiore of Lawrence, Kansas, a certified dietitian in the Great Free State. How are you today, Heather? I'm great. How are you, Christy? Fine, thank you. Did I get that right? A certified dietitian? Well, um, it's I'm a, a registered dietitian and a licensed dietitian. Oh God, I gosh, I got it all wrong all the way around. <laughs> Quite okay. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. But you've been doing this for a while. How long have you been working with dietetics? Um, gosh, it's um, 22 years. Well, it'll be 23 this year. Oh yeah. my gosh! In Lawrence, Kansas, right? Mm-hmm. Wonderful. And what brought you to nutrition? Um, A couple of things. Um, My grandmother um, had an interest in nutrition. She was not well educated. I think she got to like sixth or eighth grade. Um, But she sort of had a, I don't know, just like a intuition about it or something and always you know, would say things like she was Italian and she very much was against like eating bread with her pasta. Like for some reason that was like offensive to her, (laughs) you know, it's kind of, it is kind of too much carbs, except, you know, don't we need our bread to soak up our sauce? But that was how she felt about it. And, you know, she would say some things like about like watching butter and like, you know, condiments in general. And she just, and she ate a lot of um, legumes, a lot of beans she she just had a knack for it and it caught my interest um growing up but i did kind of develop my own you know struggles with eating and and body issues and didn't think that studying that would be good i thought it would actually make my issues worse so i originally did not go into college 
studying nutrition. And then um, I started off in engineering and realized quickly that that was not, that was not the right direction. Not going to work for you. No. So I went back to nutrition and realized this is where I'm supposed to be. Oh, that is great. And you work a lot with uh, pediatrics and also diet, um, diabetes. Yes. What drew you to those two fields? Um, gosh, I think I just sort of fell into diabetes, to be honest, and, and then realized the appeal of like hormones and it, it, it's, a, it's super interesting endocrinology. But mm-hmm. for pediatrics, I think what happened was when I was early on, I was actually in my internship still, not quite a dietitian yet. I read an article about the role of dietitians in schools and really uh, loved that idea of uh, working with the health teacher and the PE teacher and the nurse and the classroom teachers and, you know, school food service. And it just seemed like a, like a really comprehensive way of impacting children's health and, you know, getting children off on the right start in their lives. Um, so that's kind of where it started. I thought, well, yes, that's, that's what I want to do. I want to be in a school and I want to do all these things. Right. And so did you ever spend some time working in a school? I did. I, I tried it, lots of different avenues to get into schools. It, it, it ended up being incredibly challenging because that's not a, a job. You, they don't, you know, there isn't money in, in a school budget to hire a dietitian to do all these wonderful things. So um, I tried working in food service. I tried um, becoming a health teacher. Um, I worked um, grant funded in school-based health centers, like along with a nurse practitioner and a social worker. Um, so I tried a lot of different avenues and I, and I did enjoy it, but um, none of it felt sustainable. And so I, I ultimately kind of uh, stepped away from that, that dream and decided that wasn't, wasn't going to happen. Right. But you can make a bigger impact working one-on-one. Yeah, certainly it can help people more, more directly that way. And that was what I ended up doing out of, you know, the next step from sort of walking away from that was walking into the children's diabetes center where I uh, was able to provide, you know, more um, intensive counseling for, children and families with diabetes type one and type two and some other things. So. Right. Well, I mean, of course, diabetes type one is something that, um, you know, it's, it's genetic. It's, you know, the luck of the draw in a way. Um, type two is, it seems like it's a, it's like a pandemic in a way for children and adults, unfortunately. Why do you think that is? Mm-hmm. Yes, it, it's um, there. It's complicated, I guess, is the short answer. Um, it, there, there's still that genetic component, like for sure. There's a piece to it that um, you know people are predisposed. Um, there's also you know some some lifestyle factors where they may not be the the causation, but you can impact how your, you know, sort of your path 
to some degree with your, with your lifestyle. And, um, you know, we, we, in this country, we don't necessarily promote healthy lifestyles in our, and it's certainly not, you know, 15, 20 years ago when I first got started doing that, um, you know, that wasn't really where we were headed with, with kids. Um, Unfortunately, right. You know, it's one thing to, to see so many adults um, developing diabetes, but it's, it's difficult to watch kids develop it as well. For sure. And it, 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 you know, we, we put a lot of pressure on adults that, you know, like this is some kind of lifestyle disease and like, you know, all this personal responsibility and which isn't necessarily fair, but it's even worse for kids because they don't have control. They don't have agency, you know, they, they don't have even a sense of like long-term consequences like adults do. So it's just like a completely unfair disease for for kids to get. (laughs) It is. It is. Um, But something else that you work with and that's part of your uh, program that I just love is intuitive eating. Mm -hmm. Can you walk us through that? Oh, gosh, yes. Uh, This is something that I... um, walked myself through to sort out my own eating issues, you know, way back um, when I was early on in my career. And then after I kind of helped my sort of fumbled my way through this process, I realized that this is actually a thing. It has a name and there's a book and, and, you know, somebody had, had really developed the idea of it. And um, basically it's, there are 10 principles of it, but basically it's a matter of relearning how to trust your body, like the wisdom of your body when it comes to food, you know, eating, um, you know, the types of foods, the amount of food, you know, really listening and being on the same page as your body, as opposed to this, you know, sort of, um, fighting your body and trying to follow external rules, which is pretty much any like diet or plan or, you know, whatever they call it these days, we don't call them diets anymore. That's become a four letter word, but now there's, you know, wellness plans and all this sort of stuff that we talk about at the end of the day, they all involve rules that you follow. Like you eat at this time, or you don't eat at this time, or you eat these foods, you don't eat these foods you know, the, whatever it looks like in the details, it's about following rules and turns out our bodies don't like rules. Um, our brains don't like to be told what to do and what not to do. And it often causes us to rebel at some point right. from the rules and right. then we fall apart. Either consciously or unconsciously, we Correct. rebel against it. Mm-hmm. Yes. What does it look like when we fall apart and we rebel against those rules? Well, it's different for most people, but but there are themes for sure. Um, a lot of times when there's when there's restriction, um, you can kind of imagine what happens to somebody. They're, they're restricting, like let's say carbohydrates. That's sort of the thing happening now. Um, I'm not supposed to eat carbohydrates or white flour or whatever it is, and at some point you're craving your favorite thing that has carbohydrates in it. Maybe it's cookies or whatever it is. And you decide, 
uh, just this once I'm going to have, I'm going to have a cookie. And you don't just have a cookie. Right. You have all the cookies available to you because you've been told you're not supposed to have that. You don't know when you're going to allow yourself to eat it again. So you're like, I've already, you know, broken the rules. I might as well just go all in with it. And now you go nuts and you eat all the cookies. Right. And you then what follows, of course, is the guilt and then the shame that you did this. And this idea that, see, I can't be trusted to eat cookies. And this is what we learn. We learn, I can't, I can't control myself. I don't have the willpower. And so the only answer you come up with is like, well, I got to double down, no more cookies. And you, and you try again. And, you, and then it just becomes this cycle. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. But, and, I mean, but there's, there's a, a little bit more at play, though, I understand, uh, in the role of carbohydrates and sugar and sometimes even um, like yeasts, that some of these things are actually addicting. Well, accurate. There, there are there are theories that that these foods are addictive, and I think the reason people say that is because the same parts of the brain that are lit up by like an addictive substance mm-hmm. are lit up by carbohydrates. Okay, interesting. Like these pleasure centers in the brain are lit up with this, but you know what else lights up your pleasure centers? Like watching a funny movie. Hey, yeah. Good point. Right? Like right. having a really good time with like somebody you really care about, that can light up your pleasure centers just the same. And we're not addicted to funny movies. Like that's silly. So it's not, it's it's really a fallacy that we can be addicted to food. It's it's just not the same as drugs and alcohol and things that are not essential to life. You know, we, we have to eat. We can't, we can't not eat. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. <clears throat> so intuitive eating. So if we're not following stringent rules, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. then, then what are we doing? Yes. This is the, the hardest part for people because we love rules. We love to, even though we don't, we're not good at following them. We love to be told, right? We love black and white. This is good. This is bad. Right. Eat this. Don't eat that. We we just we just want to be told. Just tell right. me what to do. There are literally books called "Eat This, Don't Eat That." Yes, yes, <laughs> and it's because it's so appealing, but. But, you know, we also talk about things like balance and moderation, variety and all these things that sound like simple concepts that we all get. But they're so hard for us to really implement when you think of the word of moderation. Like, right. What does that mean? And and really, yeah. And we want to know, like, well, tell me what's how many cookies is that? How often do I get to eat dessert? What what does moderation mean? you know, in detail and rules. And that's not how it works. So everyone has to kind of figure out what's, what's right for them. If you're, let's say you're an elite athlete and eating, you know, like ice cream, 
before you run or do your sport doesn't feel good, then that tells you like, okay, that's not something I can eat at that time. And if you're, you know, working out every day, it might be really hard for you to fit those foods in very often. But if you're somebody else who's not having that kind of like response and small amounts of whatever cookies, ice cream, something feel okay to you and actually like really satisfy and hit the spot for you, that might be something you eat every day. And there's, that's okay. That works for you. Right. And there might be a, a time when, um, when it no longer works for you too. I have to recognize that. But you know what I don't notice you saying is that you can just go out and eat whatever you want, whenever you want. Yes. That's a misnomer about intuitive eating. Sometimes people think it means that there's this um, expression or part of the, one of the, one of the principles is giving yourself unconditional permission to eat. And what people hear is free for all like, Oh, Heather says I can eat whatever I want. And it doesn't mean everything and anything. It means that you're honoring your body, you're listening and respecting your body, and you're eating what your body wants and needs, not what your brain is thinking. Because if you're still caught up in diet mentality and all these rules, you know what your brain is going to think when you say, I can eat what I want? Your brain's going to be like, okay, cool. I want the thing you've been telling me I'm not allowed to eat all this time. And I want lots of it. I want all of it. Yes. Yeah. So you have to like undo all of that first before you even attempt to give yourself unconditional permission to eat. You've got to relearn about not just listening to what your brain is telling you, but actually like from the neck down, what's your body telling you? Because all these diets disconnect us at the neck because they're telling us follow rules and that's your brain has to like take over and take the action of like, this is what you're going to eat because these are the rules. Instead of listening to your body that's saying like, I'm hungry now, or I'm not hungry now, or I'm still hungry after this little bit of food you gave me or whatever your body might be saying, you know, we need to like reconnect, listen from below the neck, mostly the stomach, but honestly, it's our whole body involved. Right. What does our body want and need? And it's not usually 10 cookies, like almost hardly ever, you know, but the brain is like, it doesn't care. Your brain does not care how full or even sick you are. It's just thinking about this is enjoyable. I like this. I want more. Right. Of course, there are so many factors that go into this too, deprivation as a child, food insecurity as a child, um, Mm. you know, all types of hidden messages that we have concerning food. There's a lot into it, but I know that we can all be more intuitive and listen to our bodies, right? Rather than listening to our programming or the voice of our mother or the voice of our father or our food Mm -hmm. insecurity, um, right. Yeah. So, and you've got a program that people can follow for intuitive eating. 
Yes. Yes. There are two ways that I offer it. And there, there really are lots of ways that people can take themselves through this process. There's actually a, a workbook, you know, if you're really a, you know, do it yourself type, you can pick up a workbook, you know, and take yourself through it and work on each principle along the way. I also do more of like an intensive, you know, one-on-one, like really talking all the, all the principles out, all the personal stuff that people are going through, you know, conversationally, which is, I think, you know, people find really helpful. Oh yeah. And so this workbook, is that part of your program? I sometimes refer to it to get some um, ideas. If somebody's feeling particularly stuck on something, I might, um, you know, I, I have a couple of things that I grab from there or little, you know, little activities that we might do. Um, one of the things people really, really struggle with is um, the body image part where right. we make peace, not only with food, but we make peace with our bodies and um, figuring out how to, um, you know, how to just, just go, you know, just be okay. Like you don't have to like love every inch of your body, but just kind of be okay with this is what my body looks like. Even if you do want to change it, this is what my body looks like. And that's okay. That's a really hard thing for people to do. And so that's one of the things I might refer to the workbook to, you know, help someone through, you know, re working their their mindset around their body and that that negative talk they have in their head you know that super judgmental a mean girl i call her basically <laughs> yes right everyone has one right <laughs> yeah my name mine's named uh brianna oh. I think it's really helpful to name the 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 voice in there so that you know it's not you it's someone else you know you're not a mean person it's this mean voice whoever she is telling you things telling you stories and because it's in your own head you believe it and so we really have to do a lot of work to challenge ourselves that, you know, just because you have a thought doesn't make it fact. Exactly. Just because you have a thought, you don't have to believe it. You don't. Right. And yeah. so this, this workbook, what is it that you recommend to your clients? So it, it's simply called the Intuitive Eating Workbook. Oh, that's, that's great. Yes. It's, it's really wonderful. The, the authors of the, of the Intuitive Eating book... Mm-hmm. You know, sh- sometime after, because this was mid '90s when the first book came out. Okay. Sometime along the way, since then, they developed this workbook. They've had multiple editions. I think we're up to the fourth edition of the Intuitive Eating Book. So it really can potentially be, you know, something somebody walks themselves through. I have had clients who, you know, have bought the book and or the workbook and decided, you know what, I can't do this on my own. And that's why they reach out. Like they need a little more support, but I, I I think it's possible depending on somebody's personality that they can just get themselves going. 
Oh, wow. And so can, um, can somebody find that book, this workbook on your website? Uh, yeah. Oh, that's a good question. (laughs) (laughs) On your website here. Oh, it's actually not on your website. It's not on my website. I, that's an oversight. I should put it on there because I do have a resources page. (laughs) (laughs) Oftentimes when I speak with someone on the phone, if they're not like jumping on board with working with me right away, I send them a message and I do include that, but I should, I don't know why I don't have it on the website too. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So the intuitive eating workbook is by, I'm actually looking it up right now. (laughs) 10 principles for nourishing a healthy relationship with food. Evelyn Tribal. And Elise Rush. Yes. Wonderful. But your program, it's a DIY version of the intuitive eating program. Correct. So I have both options with me. You can work intensively where where we meet and talk it out every week. Or someone can, it's sort of... Uh, somewhere between this intensive program and the just having the workbook where um, I have some videos and some activities that um, get released each week and the person kind of does it on their own, um, you know, at their own pace. And, um, you know, and then there's there's some opportunity for like a group um, Q&A discussion uh, each week. But... um, you know, so so there's they, there's a couple options. Like I said, I, I think everybody learns differently, so that's why I have it like that. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a great idea. And so, like, what kind of things do you find people dealing with on the in, in the intuitive eating program that you when they work with you? Right. Well, um, honestly, the the body stuff I already talked about is is huge, and that is something that I always promise people we're going to discuss throughout the program, but it's really lifelong. You know, at the end of the program, I feel like they can really make some major strides. And when it comes to food can feel, you know, all or mostly resolved with their food issues, but the body stuff takes a long time. And so I help people get started, but they really need to continue that. And we all know Um, you know, even if you mostly don't struggle with body image, some days we wake up and we're just like, well, today's not a great day. I don't feeling it. Yeah. I don't like what I'm seeing today. And so it's important to have strategies, strategies for helping yourself get to this point of sort of, you know, body acceptance and also dealing with those off days because they're going to happen. They happen to everyone, and you have a little bit of a different approach on those days. Support for the Radiate Wellness Podcast is made possible in part by listeners like you. Would you like to support this podcast? Visit radiatewellnesscommunity.com slash podcast for more information. So when it comes to food, I guess the, the big thing that I hear a lot mm-hmm. is... Um, in the beginning, it's it's accepting this idea that we're not in control of what our bodies look like. 
we get these messages from all angles, right? That we're supposed to be controlling our bodies and that we, that we even have control that you can and should control your body. And it's, it's a lie. Mm -hmm. Even our doctors are telling us this lie that we need to be managing ourselves. And if you look around, I mean, do we really think that all the people in larger bodies are so bad at managing themselves and all the people in, you know, so-called normal sized bodies are really good at it? I mean, that's, that's ridiculous, right? It's right. There's so many factors. And one of the things I try to explain to my clients is this idea of a pie and one slice of that pie is your food and your activity. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the pie is all the other factors that contribute to your body weight and size. Mm. And, and we don't have control over them, mm. right? Our genetics and our metabolism and our age and our medications and, you know, so many, like our, whatever our hormones are doing at the time, like so many things are going on behind the scenes. And we just keep fighting with this one little piece of pie. Like, oh, I just need to get it just right. I just need to know exactly how many calories to eat or how many, the exact right kind of workout. And I'm going to get there. And it's, it's not true. <laughs> you know what they say about yo-yo diets? They, they just don't work. You may lose some weight immediately, but then you'll put it back on and then some. Correct. Yes. And the fact is they actually do work. They do exactly what they're meant to do because what good is it if you lose weight and then you don't need them anymore? (laughs) They want you coming back for next time around. It, it really is. um, It's, it's terrible the way, you know, people, 95% of people are in that situation. They lose some weight, they gain it back. Maybe they gain more over you know, by five years out, 95% of people. And the conclusion is obviously that there's something wrong with this system, but all of those people are thinking there's something wrong with them, that they did something wrong, that they don't have the willpower, they're not strong enough, it's not the right program, they didn't find the right program, you know, when obviously it's, it's the whole premise of this intentional weight loss through caloric restriction, that's the thing that's wrong. Mm. There's something inherently wrong with the person anyway. Right. That's right. God does not make mistakes. That's right. And, you know, when what we are finding is that people who don't do any of that and they just hang out in that higher weight, they're going to be healthier than the person who loses weight and gains weight back. Really? How does that work? Because when you've lost weight, more often than not, almost always, when you lose weight, you lose not just fat, but you lose some lean body mass. Right. Right. And that's obviously not what you're going for. And then when you gain the weight back, you've gained all fat, you've changed your body composition, 
and potentially messed up your metabolism along the way too. You've changed, you've changed your body. Whereas if you just stayed and just kind of tried to do some healthy stuff with the body that you have, you know, I don't know, maybe it would change your body, but maybe it wouldn't. But if you just work on doing sustainable things that are focused on health versus weight, you're going to be in a much better position because now you can just keep doing these things. But when you have this idea, this goal of weight loss in mind, even if you think you're doing it for health, it's so easy to lose sight of health because because you're trying to get the, the scale to go down, right? And so you you start doing things that may or may not be healthy, but they're going to change the scale. And so you're taking these actions that cause the scale to go down. Now, what happens if you should actually get to your goal weight or whatever it is? Mm-hmm. And almost hardly anyone does. And usually what our brains do is we just move the goalpost. You're like, oh, well, if I could lose 20 pounds, maybe I could lose 30 pounds, you know, and you just keep going. But let's say you actually did get there and you're like, here I am, I did it and I lost weight and I feel amazing and everything's great. And then what? And now you have to try to maintain that weight loss. And it's a totally different mindset than having a goal of weight loss maintaining weight is super boring and you know for somebody who's goal oriented it's just not exciting and it's so it's hard to do and also if you're doing things that weren't necessarily sustainable but only to achieve weight loss you're not going to keep doing those things because you're like oh good now I can finally enjoy a little of this or do a little that or ease up over here maybe quit calorie counting because calorie counting is terrible and just you know so much work and so you start easing up and then of course you start gaining the weight back and you know you know how that goes (laughs) (laughs) it's the same weight over and over over and over again right i mean i've seen people who've done it you know over decades of their lives gaining and losing the same 10 or 20 or sometimes 50 pounds up and down up and down. So intuitive eating sounds like it's the more sustainable route to go. Correct. And truly, it's a matter of dealing with your relationship to food before we even talk about food. Like we don't talk about nutrition and all the the part with the sustainable lifestyle changes. Like you can't even talk about that until you've sorted out your relationship to food, until you've re-engaged with listening and trusting your body and doing all the stuff we were talking about earlier, giving yourself unconditional permission to eat, you know, sorting all of that stuff out. Um, We didn't even talk about the emotional part. Like sometimes people eat for emotional reasons, you know, dealing with, um, with that, not, not, not preventing it altogether, but having, strategies for dealing with your emotions sometimes it's food but sometimes it's other things hopefully and you deal with all of this stuff and when I feel like the person is starting to really get it and it's working well and it's sort of clicking and they're like oh 
get it. This feels great. I feel like a weight lifted. You know, they're not caught up thinking about food all the time. Once they're at that point, it's like, okay, now, now let's look at your diet. Now let's look at what you do. And are there, you know, nutrients that are missing? Where's the balance and the variety and the moderation and all that stuff? Now we can talk about that because if you start off with it, it just feels like another diet. It just sounds like more rules like, oh, well, you should eat this many servings of, you know, dairy or get this much protein or whatever it is. Without the right mindset, it just feels like rules and you're not going to be able to keep doing it. But when you've been through this process, you've got this foundation of intuitive eating, you can receive the message and it is different. And you're like, okay, I want to take care of my body. I want to get enough calcium for strong bones. I want to avoid, you know, heart conditions that are in my family by doing this and that. And, and you're able to do it in a way that's in alignment with your body instead of just saying, well, Heather said I have to eat beans three times a week. So I'm going to eat beans, whether I like them or not, you know, like, no, that's terrible. Don't, don't do that. Let's figure out what you do like that fits the bill for your health conditions or family history or whatever your goals are. Right. Yeah. And and that's a problem that I have with, Oh, Oh my gosh. Just insert the name of the diet here. There's so many different things because they don't necessarily work for your type. They don't work for what you like to eat or even what feels good for you. I remember I did Atkins once and I felt terrible. I just, Oh my gosh. I just felt so weak and sick from eating nothing but protein for the first few days. Right. 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 It was not sustainable for me. There are some people who really enjoyed it and, right. you know, um, felt great on it, et cetera, et cetera. Now I, I never followed up with them to see if they maintain their weight loss or anything like that. But sure, sure. Um, I know for me, it was just the wrong thing to do. And right. I would love for everybody to see just what makes them feel good. Yes. And that's that again, that's this process. It we aren't always open to what feels good in our bodies because sometimes people make a change and it it leaves them feeling good initially because you know, maybe they were eating a bunch of stuff that wasn't right for their body. Like maybe they were eating a lot of fast food because it was convenient. And now like they're on some plan and they have to like make more like homemade meals or something. And they're like, oh my gosh, I feel so much better. And it's like, well, is it the food you're eating or the food you're not eating? And, you know, you, you kind of have to, right. It's, it's two things like what's there and what's, what's removed. And, you know, again, sorting out what's sustainable because you're in alignment with your body, not because you've got an eye on the scale. Because you're you, right. Because you've got your finger in the pulse of your body. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so that makes so much more sense. Yeah, I remember that movie Supersize Me. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, I sure but, do. Oh, <laughs> right, 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 right. Where, you know, we could see the changes that were happening in this man as he ate more and more of this convenient fast food. And there was a direct correlation between what he put in his body and how his body reacted and how it felt. Right. Um, all make that correlation too. Right. And I, I really, at the time, really enjoyed that movie because it was, it was such a, an exaggerated point, really. Like nobody obviously eats that way exactly where they force themselves to eat fast food three times a day. But um, the part I, I don't like about it is, you know, it, it vilifies fast food a little bit because like, like I just said, you, most people aren't eating it three meals a day. Right. And so it's not going to do that to them. If you feel like eating a hamburger once in a while, or you're on a road trip, or you're in a hurry, and this is your only option, eat food versus don't eat food. You know, don't skip because you don't want to eat fast food. Like, it's okay if that's what you're feeling like having that day. It's not going to raise your cholesterol just because, you know, it's not poison, which I think is sometimes the message we get that like these highly processed foods um, or fast foods are, are poisoning our bodies. Mm-hmm. And that's unfair. It, it goes back to food rules and this eat this, don't eat that. It's like, well, you know, find a reasonable amount of food, even uh, what was that guy's name? Mor- Morgan Spurlock or something. <laughs> Wasn't that his name? The, yeah the the guy from um from, yeah and he um you know if he just figured out that once every three days he could enjoy some fast food and it had no ill effect you know that that's a pot that could have been a different movie <laughs> not as interesting but a better a better message about moderation no, you're absolutely right. Yeah, moderation, I think, is key. Um, so your program is intuitive eating. You've got a DIY version. And this is all on your website, freestatenutrition.com. And you've also got your, all, you know, your services listed there and um, how, to, how to get in touch with you and, and all like that. Um, you've got, I see you've got a blog, too. Uh, a little bit. It's it's a little um, outdated. We haven't done it in a while. I had a um, a video blog I was doing with um, Dr. Jennifer Smith, who I share an office suite with. Um, and I haven't even been in my office in, in over a year now. But right. um, we used to just take a nutrition topic and and talk about it from our different perspectives, her from the medical perspective and me from, you know, nutrition perspective and kind of sort through some of the myths about different things. And we had a, we had a lot of fun. So that that's what that is. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll pick it up again sometime. It was, it was because I mean, everybody's got food around and everybody seems to be talking about it. So for sure, it's not going away. It's not. Everybody eats all day, every day. Hopefully, <laughs> yes, exactly. Is there anything that we haven't discussed that you think is important to mention that people you wish people knew? Um, gosh, I feel. Um, I guess one piece we haven't talked 
much about is exercise. Oh, and yes. That is actually part of intuitive eating is looking at your relationship to exercise because oftentimes people use exercise as a, as a tool to manage their weight rather than a source of pleasure in their lives. And so sometimes it can be used as a punishment for overeating mm. or a way to like earn your food. And this is something, even people who don't do it all the time, it's very common around holidays. Uh, you know, I'm thinking about Thanksgiving and, you know, people think I've got to go, you know, go for a run in the morning so I can eat lots later and not feel bad about it. And, you know, we need to sort through how we think about and approach exercise again so that it's sustainable rather than focused on weight because when we think we just have to do something in order to lose weight we're really um you know you might not choose the right thing you might decide to start running because you think well that's easy and you know people lose weight doing it so let me go start running what if you hate running? Then you're not going to keep doing that. Maybe you're going to sign up for a 5K and you're going to do that and that'll be all right. But you're not going to just keep doing it because uh, if you hate it. Um, me, I'm not a runner. So I'm not going to start a running program, even though it is super easy. Like you just throw on your sneakers. You don't need to go to the gym or have any special equipment. Super easy. And you're outside. Sounds lovely. It's not for me. So. <laughs> You know, I wish it was, I do, but I know, I know me. So we really have to like, think about what do we like? What, what makes our bodies feel good? What makes us want to move instead of what's going to burn the most calories? Right. I always think the best form of exercise is the one that you actually do. That's right. That's right. There's all sorts of research about different kinds and how many minutes and time of day and all sorts of things. And at the end of the day, what's important is that you did something that you, not every day, but you move your body in a way that feels right. That's the whole story. Right, right. Absolutely. Well, Heather, it's been so nice to talk to you today. I appreciate your time to sit down and talk about nutrition. Um, you're a wealth of knowledge. And so I would point anybody to go to your website, freestatenutrition.com. Oh, yeah. Do you, you, do you work with people around the country? Uh, yes and no. There are licensure laws. And so each okay. state has, uh, well, not every state, but most states have uh, licensure for, for dietitians. And so for my intensive program, uh, I am careful about only working with people that I either there's a license, there's not a license in their state or they're in Kansas. Um, but for my, um, self-guided program that is open to anyone for sure. Yeah. And that's exciting. That's your, your, uh, intuitive eating DIY course. Yes. And this is found under services on your website, freestatenutrition.com. All right. Well, Heather Fiore, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today. I truly appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun, Christy. 
Radiate Wellness is a community of holistic and alternative healers and consultants based in the Kansas City area dedicated to helping you create spiritual, energetic, and physical well-being. To learn more about our practitioners, services, classes, and events, or to schedule an appointment, visit us at radiatewellnesscommunity.com. I'm Rachel Corpus, an angel communicator, psychic medium, and host of the Angel Talk podcast. This show is meant to help you remember who you are, a limitless being with shoes and socks on. And along the way, we'll connect to people on the other side and experts in the field like authors, healers, animal communicators, and more. Listen to all my shows at Mind Body Spirit FM or wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> 